0: The message that we're in today is really talking about being rejected by God. And I wanna read this story um, in John chapter five. And in John chapter five, it says this in verse one, um, that after these things, there was a feast uh, to the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And, And now in Jerusalem, by the Sheet Gate, there was a pool, which in Hebrew is called Bethesda. And it had five porticos. And in these porticoes lay uh, a multitude of those who were sick, they were blind, they were limping or paralyzed. And now there was a man there who had been ill for 38 years. And Jesus, upon seeing this man lying there and knowing that he had already been in that condition for a long time, said to him, Do you want to get well? And then the sick man answered him and said, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up because they believed that it was being stirred up by by angels. And while I am coming, making his way to the pool, another steps down before me. And so that they receive the healing instead of me. And so Jesus just looks at the man and he says, get up, pick up your mat, and walk and immediately the man became well and he picked up his mat and he began to walk and immediately the man became well and he picked up his mat and began to walk and it was the Sabbath on that day. And The scriptures tell us in verse 10 that the Jews were saying to the man who was cured, it is a Sabbath. And it is not permissible for you to carry your mat. But he answered them, He who made me well was the one who said to me, pick up your mat and walk. And they asked him, Who is the man who said to you, pick it up and walk? But the man who was healed did not know who it was because Jesus had slipped away while there was a crowd in that place. And afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him behold you have become well so stop sinning so that nothing worse happens to you and the man went away and informed the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well and for this reason the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing things on the Sabbath but he answered them my Father is always working, and so am I." You see, God doesn't need to take the Sabbath, um, and so Jesus says, neither do I. Now, I want to start off by saying that there was a party, there was a festival. And so, I don't know about you, but this past weekend, uh, you know, for a lot of people, it was American Thanksgiving. And, Um, We celebrated Thanksgiving earlier in October, and now we're entering into a season of feasts and festivals as we approach Christmas. We're just, I can't believe it, just four weeks away. Um, And here we are, like there was a festival even during this time. And yet Jesus isn't like, you know, with the people you would expect Him to be with at a feast or a festival. Uh, Jesus is, is at a place where the marginalized are. All the people that don't get to celebrate the feast and the festivals, that's where Jesus is. And he goes to the very place where people are just without hope. They're without being able to be festive. Everyone else is celebrating, but not those that are under these five porticos. And the pool of Bethesda is important because it's an Aramaic word meaning the house of mercy. And yet this is a place where no one is experiencing mercy. This is a place where everyone feels they are without mercy. It is a place where everyone believes that they are cursed by God, not blessed by Him. It's not a place where they are being restored. It's a place where they feel that they're abandoned. And sometimes that's the place we feel we're in. And it was important to note that this pool of Bethesda, this house of mercy, it always needed fresh water to feed this pool. It wasn't water that was stagnant. And so people believed that because it was fresh water continuously coming into it, it had healing properties. And on top of that, a superstition had been built over time where they believed that angels actually came down and stirred it. Now, I I believe that It was a superstition. There are those who will contest that. And many people preach this passage saying, and speak on this and teach on this saying that, um, it was angels who were stirring the waters. But I believe the reason Jesus goes there is because he's there to confront superstition and religion. I believe he's there to set the record straight. I believe he's there to show everyone that instead of waiting on angels, you need to be believing. On Jesus. Instead of waiting for someone to come and help, your help has already come. And sometimes we're we're in a place where we're just waiting for something to happen. And I believe this man just got so used to waiting that he just didn't know when the waiting should end. It was a place that people went for healing but never found it. And so from his perspective, people are, are are receiving a healing and a blessing, but he's the one that's always being left out. And it gets to the point where he just continuously feels abandoned and rejected by God. And Jesus needs to confront that. And I believe that when he asks this question, it's 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 the most important question that he can ask. And I think that when he asks this in this story, I believe he's asking us. And he's asking us this question, Do you want to get well? Now, the thing is that when I hear this question, I think the obvious reason is, come on. Like that just gets me more frustrated. It gets me a little bit more angry. It makes me feel more disappointment. It feels like, God, you're just playing with me now. Like you show up and then you tell me this, but remember this man doesn't know who Jesus is. And he doesn't know what Jesus is capable of. So when he asks this question, this man believes that this man warrants a response because he doesn't know who it is that he's in front of. But there's something else that is happening in the story and, and it's something that we may have missed before. And that is the reason Jesus asks him, do you want to get well? is because it's been 38 years. And I think what Jesus does is that he points out in this man's heart that he has just accepted that things are not going to change. How many of us in this room have made that same decision in some area of our life? We we just accepted it. Like we're just saying it's not going to be any different. It's been like this for one year. It's been like this for 38 years. I am no longer expecting and anticipating things to be different. And so Jesus needs to confront that. It's the first thing he needs to do is he needs to wake us up and say, do you want to get well? Like, is that desire still in there? Or or have you just lied down on your mat and gotten comfortable to the point where year after year, you just accept that things are not gonna be any different? Are you paralyzed where you are, instead of getting up and going to where God is sending you? Well, Jesus understands that when our desire to be healed is gone, He needs to ask the question, I see people who are just living with their condition, just living with their situation and their circumstances. And can I just speak into that for a second? Maybe you're gonna find this harsh, but I need you to hear me. I need you to see this. When you stop living, it means that you have died. When you stop believing for greater, it means that you've given up. And you know what people do? People who, 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 who respond to that are it's the people who take their lives and they commit suicide. And they do it because they really don't believe there's any way for things to be different. They'd rather end the suffering than keep living that way one more moment. And you know what? A lot of us have just committed suicide, and, but we're still alive. We're still awake. We still have a chance and an opportunity. And this man is just waiting for his life to end. And I don't want you to be that person. And so what Jesus does is that when he confronts him and he says to him, do you want to get well? Do you want to succeed in your life? Do you want to still remain single? Do you still want your business to succeed? Do you still want your marriage to get better? Do you want your child to come back to serving the Lord? Do you want to see change in your life like never before? Do you want to see the breakthroughs? God is saying, do you want to get well? What is your answer? What comes from the innermost part of your being? Or do you find yourself just paralyzed, lying on that mat? You see the difference? And what God does is that he confronts that. And what the man does is that he starts to complain and he starts giving reasons. And the funny thing is, is that he doesn't know that he's giving reasons to the one who can heal him. And and I feel like we do that with God, like we're giving him all the reasons why things are the same, why things haven't changed, why things have not improved. And you see, when our focus is on another solution instead of Jesus, then we enter into a pattern of complaint. But when our focus remains on Jesus, who is the healer, then our focus is still hopeful. Our focus is on the breakthrough. Our focus is on the miracle. It's on the impossible being possible. But when it's not on Jesus, this is what happens. We become people who just complain. And when we complain, it keeps us on the mat. It keeps us paralyzed. Because what he does is that he begins to go through all of his excuses. And he believes that his healer is someone and something else. But when you believe you're rejected by God, here's what happens. All of your reasons become your only reality. That's all you see. That's all you can focus on. It's all you can share, your reasons. Here's the reason, here's the reason. This is the reason, this is why. This happened to me. They did this to me. This is how they rejected me. This is how I'm rejected by God. This is how I'm cursed instead of blessed. This is why I'm paralyzed. This is why I've been stuck all these years. This is why I'm not healed. This is why I haven't had my breakthrough. And this is what we do. And this man is just saying over and over again, I'm rejected by God. He says, I'm paralyzed and I can't get in on my own. There's no one to help me. There's always someone else who steps in before me and takes the miracle away from me. Does that sound familiar just a little bit? (laughs) It's been moments in your life where you have felt that way, where you've said those things, where you've believed them even just for a moment. I think the answer is yes. If I'm honest, the answer is yes. If I'm being truthful right now, the answer is yes. I've been there. I've done this. And that's why it's so important for us to to be able to move beyond this point. So what God does is that he interrupts his cycle. He interrupts what has been happening for 38 years. I don't know how old you are. I don't know how long you've been in your cycle but I want you to say to God right now, God interrupt my cycle. Oh, that that was good for a few of you. Maybe we need to do it differently. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, break the cycle. Oh, you see that was easier. Telling other people what to do is always easier than telling ourselves. Isn't it true? Right? Like, Let's break the cycle, for sure. And I, I, I know that it's not easy. Guys, listen, I, I, I've been here. I've been there. I, I, I know what you're going through. I really do. In many ways, more ways than you know. But I know that God is trying to break this cycle that we're in. And so that's why Jesus tells him first to get up. And that and always bothered me. How do you tell a paralyzed person to get up? Makes no sense. Like that's not the first thing you tell them. The first thing you tell them is that, hey, God loves you, right? The second thing you tell him is like, you can do it. (laughs) I know it's hard. I know you've got your reasons, but you can do it, right? There's there's so many other places to go first. The first thing Jesus goes and he just says, get up. And, And he speaks with command and with authority. When the man, I believe, is shook in that moment where he just looks at himself and he hears those words and he's like, I don't know where this power is coming from, but I feel like I can. I feel like I must. You see, when God speaks into your life and tells you to get up, he doesn't just tell you the words, but he gives you the power to do it. Oh, come on. It isn't just words, it's power. It's not just a motivational phrase, it's his presence all of a sudden you feel strength in the parts of your body that you have always been weak in. See, that's what happens in the moment because God did not create you to lie down, but he created you to get up and walk. God has created you to get up and walk. So when we lie down, God needs to speak into that and tell us, get up. Why? Because right now he knows that all of us in this room, we just want to lie down in disappointment and defeat. We just like, we've done this church thing. We've done this God thing. We've done this trying to be a community thing. We've done this, trying to be friends with other believers. They just We're just gonna get disappointed. We're just gonna get frustrated and hurt. We're just gonna be the ones who, who feel the pain all over again. Come on, isn't that us? And we just give up. And we, we go back to a place of, of just being paralyzed because the disappointment and defeat is just so real and so powerful in our life that we can't even hear his command to get up and walk because we are just so accustomed to just lying down and waiting. And so Jesus gives an impossible command to obey. And the reason he gives you this impossible command is because it's going to take a breakthrough in your life for you to believe that the impossible is possible. You see, if God doesn't tell you, get up, you never know that the impossible is possible. You never know that things can change. You never know that things can be different. You, you want to believe it, but it's hard for you to trust that because you're going through so many things. This man lied down for 38 years. I want you to know that in 38 years, things changed for him as much as they would change for us. If we go back 38 years, we are in 1985. Can you imagine that? In 1985, Microsoft Windows released 1.0. And it had glitches even then. In 1985, Sony Discman and CDs came out. Anybody have one of those? It was crazy. It was such an innovation in being able to listen to music. There were so many things that happened technologically. The world changed. I could go on. You know, there's so many things that happened in 1985. But I want you to think of all those things happened without this guy. And a lot of things just happened without us. See, the world didn't stop because we stopped, because we got disappointed, because we felt defeated, because we lied down. See, God kept working. God never took a break. And he moved on to other people who when he said, get up, they got up. When he told them, take up your mat and walk, He did it. And I believe that God's giving us a word today where he has told us before, get up. He has told us before, take up our mat and walk. And we haven't done it. We've stayed where we were. And time has passed and technology has advanced. The world kept changing and we stayed the same. Anybody else fed up with that? Anybody else want a different outcome? A different life, a different future? A different possibility? You know, there was a time when as an athlete, I was always competing against this one particular person who um, he was always better than me. And and he'd be first and I'd be second. and on the teams that we played on and the, the things that we did, he was always first and I was second. You know, I got used to being second. And I, I got content with being second because he was always first. And Except one day, I don't know what came over me, but I just said, I, I'm just tired of being second. Today I want to be first. And, 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 I, and I worked at it and I worked at it and I worked at it. I worked at it and I worked and I kept working at it. And it got to the point when we went into a competition, I finally was first. But you know what happened? Even though I had become first, we both got registered for the Quebec Provincials. But because I was the reserve, that's how he registered us, even though I had beaten him, life was still telling me I was second. But here's what happened. That day, when we were at the Provincials, and I couldn't compete as the number one person on the team, I walked around like I was number one. Because I knew I had beaten the best guy. You see, a lot of us in this room, we don't even know what that feeling is like. We don't know what it feels like to be number one in anything. We just know what it looks like to have a participation medal if you're lucky, and maybe most likely just a ribbon. Those suck, they really do. (laughs) Nobody wants the ribbon. And I think God is trying to tell you, and listen to this, and, and excuse the sports analogy, but that's what I do, you are His number one. You see, that day, Jesus went to find the one guy who for 38 years, felt he could never be number one. And that day he said, you are, you're number one. Can we say amen to that? Come on, come on. Because if he can do it, if he can do it for that guy, he can do it for us. And what Jesus does is that he rejects his superstitions. He rejects his disappointment and his excuses and his reasons. He, he, he tells him to stop looking at his reality the same way and he gives him something else. He says, all of these things are false, but let me tell you what is true. The Bible says that he was immediately made well because he did the first thing that Jesus told him to do and that was get up. You see, no one can get up for you you have to get up for yourself. No one can do this part. You have to do it. Jesus commands it, but you have to obey it. When he tells you, you have to listen. You have to respond. And, and then he tells him, pick up your mat. And I love that because he tells him to pick up the mat. What is that mat? Like, what does it represent? It represents that you will never have to depend on this ever again. Pick up your mat because that's not who you are anymore. Pick up your mat because you are never going back. Pick up your mat. Leave this place of rejection behind. You will never have to go back there. And we're not going to leave any symbol for someone else either for someone else to use it, for someone else to lie down. Because when I come and I say, get up, it isn't just for you. It's for you and everyone who comes after you. And so you've got to be the one that when you walk around and everyone asks you, why are you carrying around that mat? That you can say, I'm carrying on this mat because for 38 years I lied down in it because that was my life. For 38 years, this is where I was always stuck, disappointed and defeated. For 38 years, this is where I was paralyzed. And I thought that no one cared for me, that I had been rejected by God and all of his people. This is what I thought, but today I carry this around because when you ask me today, why am I carrying around this mat? I carry around this mat because I am free that used to be my life, but not anymore. Let me tell you a new story, a story that started today, a story of how God intervened in my life, how he gave me the breakthrough that I could never have brought in my own life, but he came and he found me. And under five porticles of people who were blind, who were deaf, who were crippled and paralyzed, and people without hope, He found me, and when he said the words, get up, that's exactly what I did, and I have left that life behind. I want you to leave that life behind. I want you to leave that rejection behind. When Jesus tells you to get up, pick up your mat, and walk, just do it, do it. You know, there's a moment in the scriptures in Matthew chapter 27, And in verse 46, look at what it says. It says at three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice. And then he says, which means my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why have you forsaken me? There's a moment when Jesus is on the cross and he says, why have you forsaken me? I believe this man and Jesus have something in common now. A connection that maybe you have not seen before. Look at what it says before this moment. In Matthew 16, in verse 24 and 25. In verse 24, Jesus says to his disciples, that if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, he must take up his cross and follow me. For whoever, wants to save his life, will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And I want you to see that what Jesus commands here in the earlier verse, in verse 24, is that you have to deny yourself and take up your cross. When he tells this man to deny himself, all of his excuses, all of his reasons for his reality, he tells him to pick up his mat. I want you to see that in this moment, picking up your mat and picking up your cross is leaving the past behind. It's embracing the new life that Jesus has in store for you. It's no longer believing that God cannot do the impossible. Because even as that man felt forsaken by God and by everyone, Jesus showed up in his life and told him, I am gonna make sure that you are seen. I'm gonna make sure that you are known. I'm gonna make sure that you are no longer paralyzed. I'm gonna make sure that you're able to on this day to take up your mat and to walk again. And when Jesus dies on the cross, he says, I'm gonna make sure that I take all of the rejection on me. I'm gonna make sure that when I'm hanging there, You never, ever go through life believing that you are rejected. You will never again believe for one moment that God can reject you because I am taking all of the rejection for you. You see, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he says, just in case you still have doubt, I am gonna take all of the rejection. There is no more rejection for you, only acceptance, only love only healing, only deliverance, only a new beginning, only get up, pick up your mat and walk. You are not stuck. You are not paralyzed. You are no longer where you used to be. You're only going forward in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. No more rejection. You see, Jesus defeated rejection. So you can't, be rejected by God. God has has no reason and no authority to reject you because Jesus took it all himself. And he has given us the authority to feel his acceptance. See, if you're feeling rejected today, that's not God because Jesus already took all that for you. Jesus is only here to give you your breakthrough. Are you ready to receive that? Are you ready to have that? (laughs) Hallelujah. All we need is Jesus. Every day, He's all we need. Every day, that's all we need. Would you stand with me? And would you come into His presence right now? And would you leave that rejection behind? And would you make the decision today, wholeheartedly to move forward in the power of His presence? and the power and the authority of his word, which tells you to get up and to leave that stuff behind. Rejection no more. When people ask you about your mat, they're going to be asking you about your cross. See, that's why Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. And so you're going to be able to say, yeah, this is my old life. Here's my new life. See, I don't, I, don't, I don't walk around with a mat, but I, every day I walk around carrying the cross because it reminds me every day that I am no longer rejected. I am accepted. It reminds me every day that I'm no longer sick. I'm healed. It reminds me every day that I am not broken. I'm whole. It reminds me every day, I'm not imprisoned, I'm free. It reminds me every day that this is not my addiction. This is my promise to God. I have experienced his breakthrough. I'm gonna live that breakthrough. You're gonna live that breakthrough. Are you ready to carry that cross? See, the cross, isn't a, it was a burden for Jesus, but for us, it's a symbol of victory. See, when you carry the cross, you're telling the world that you are victorious. That's why he tells you to carry it, just like the mat. Everyone saw it as a burden, but now it's a symbol of victory in his hands, you see? That used to be the old me. I used to lie on this thing. Now I get to carry it around because God healed me. He made me whole. I used to be paralyzed, not anymore. And so we carry our cross, not as a burden. Carrying the cross is not a burden. Everyone says it is, it's wrong. It's bad theology. It's bad understanding of the scripture. It's bad understanding of what Christ has done. The cross is our victory. When he says, pick up your cross and follow me, he's not saying, suffer like me. He's saying, be victorious like me. Can we say amen? Amen. Be victorious like me. Be victorious like me. Man, we've got enough suffering in this life. We know we're going to suffer. He told us that we, we need to be prepared for that. I'm prepared, but I'm also ready for the victory. And that cross doesn't just speak to me about the pain. It speaks to me about the power of the resurrection. That's right. And where is it in your life that you need that power? Can you start to declare that right now? Just, just say it out loud if you need to. Say it in your mind if you need to. Take this moment and just say it. Say it to God. Say, I'm going to carry this cross and I'm going to be victorious. Let's pray. Father, thank you for every person here. Thank you for the miraculous that you are doing in this place. Thank you for the miraculous that you were doing in every life. Thank you for the way that you are showing us and teaching us and telling us what it is that we need to understand. So the stories of your word just make sense and are powerful to bring about change in our lives. Thank you for who you are and what you've done. And today, Lord, we wanna come before you and we wanna say, God, perform the miraculous in our lives. Give us the breakthrough. We take up the cross of victory and we come after You. Thank You for taking all of our rejection. Thank You for giving us the freedom. Thank You for delivering us. Thank You that today our life has been changed. Lord, we surrender to You. We obey You and we ask for the power of Your Word to give us the strength that we need to step out in the way that you are asking us to. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only he can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening and God bless you immensely.